Hi, welcome to Introduction to Software Engineering. Today we're going to talk about Agile software development methodologies. One way of defining what is meant by Agile development, which is one of the hot topics in software engineering today, uh, is to look at the Agile Manifesto. The Agile Manifesto was written by a group of consultants who came together uh, and said that, hey, something is wrong in the way software is developed in many companies today. In particular, many processes are very bureaucratic, making changes is difficult, and, and much software that doesn't meet the needs of the customers or end users is being developed. Something needs to be done about this. And as consultants, they also thought they knew how to do it, what needed to be done to get rid of unnecessary bureaucracy and get a focus back on the actual uh, development of software. So together they drafted the Agile Manifesto, which says that we're uncovering better ways of developing software by doing it and helping others do it. And through this work we have come to value. And now we have four strong statements that represent the main values of Agile software development. First of all, we value individuals and interactions of our processes and tools. So it's more important that we have good individuals working and that they interact in particular mainly face-to-face -face over documented processes and heavy tools. The second point made by the Agile Manifesto is that working software is more important than comprehensive documentation. As you remember in the waterfall process model, uh, there's a very heavy emphasis on documenting the requirements, documenting the designs, and so on. Whereas uh, the Agile Manifesto says that this might be okay, but even more important is having actual working software. The third point says that customer collaboration is more important than contract negotiation. And this means that both the customer and the company delivering or building the software should work in a collaborative mode where both parties understand that things will change and it's very difficult to upfront fix exactly what will be done, how long it will take and what it will cost. So there should be a focus on collaborating and figuring things out as the collaboration goes along instead of focusing heavily on upfront contract negotiation, trying to fix things that are essentially very difficult or to fix or impossible. And the fourth point is that it's more important to be able to respond to change than to follow a plan. So agile development methodologies focus on being able to essentially at whatever stage in the development of software being able to react to change in a good way. And this is more important, uh, the agile manifesto says, than being able to strictly follow a plan that has been, been drawn up early on in the project. And there's a short disclaimer, the last point in the Agile Manifesto says that, that is, while there is value on the items on the right, we value the items on the left more. So this is a statement saying that they thought that at the time this was written that much of what was going on in industrial software development was about processes, tools, documentation, contracts and planning, whereas they thought that it's more important to focus on individuals' interactions, working software, customer collaboration, on being able to respond to change. So from the Agile Manifesto,
which is a statement concerning what is or should be important in software development according to its uh, to the people behind it, let's take a look at what agility is in agile software development. Being agile in essence means being good at effectively in a rapid and adaptive way being able to react to change. So an agile software development process is a process in which it's possible to easily and effectively re respond to changes in the environment, in the customer requirements and so on. And being able to do this uh, requires certain things that most agile development processes include. And these are the uh, rest of the bullets here on this slide. So the first of the things that this require, which is typically can be seen in agile software development methodologies, is effective communication among all stakeholders. So the stakeholders in a typical software project involve include the customer, the project managers, uh, the developers and the end users, among others. It also typically requires drawing the customer onto the team, so the customer isn't outside the team deciding uh, what should be done. It's, the customer should view himself as part of the team developing software. Uh, agile software development methodologies also organize the teams to make them uh, empowered, make them in control of the work performed. And by doing this, uh, it is claimed that Agile software development yields rapid and incremental delivery of software. Let's take a look now at the idea of agility and the cost of change in a software project. In this graph that you can see here, we have development cost on the y-axis and development schedule progress on the x-axis. If we first take a look at the black curve, we can see that as the development schedule progresses, uh, we get a very rapid rise in development costs when we get changes. So, and this is what we know from the waterfall model. The later we are in the process, the higher the cost of change, and the cost of change rises very rapidly as we get to the later stages in the waterfall model. When agile models came out. They basically claimed to be able to provide something uh, that is here called the idealized cost of change using agile processes. That is, they claim that uh, basically there doesn't matter at what point we are in software development. A change that we get very late will cost no more than a change that we get very early. However, uh, this was marketing speak, speech we can intuitively understand very easily that this can't be true because changes aren't equal. So while all changes at late stages are expensive in waterfall development, that is because we need to update all the documentations, we need to have the meetings, the change control board meetings and so on, uh, whereas in agile development we don't have this. However, uh, let's say we get a change that is a change that requires uh, rebuilding the architecture then it's self-evident that as we are far along, the further along in a project we are, the more expensive making an architectural change will be because the more code we need to change or refactor and rebuild. So uh, changes aren't equal. Uh, and that is why the actual cost of change using agile processes isn't linear, but something like the curve you can see here 
it rises of course as we go along further in software development but much less than using traditional conventional uh, typically waterfall software processes so there are several agile process methodologies but let's first take a look at what is common with all of these first of all an agile process is driven by the customer descriptions of what is required. So the customer requirements drive the process. These are often referred to as scenarios. Uh, an agile process, all agile processes recognizes that plans are short-lived and they typically uh, detailed plans are developed only for the very very nearest future, typically for uh, the upcoming weeks or the upcoming month. So beyond that we have only high-level plans. Agile processes are all iterative and incremental, so develop, they develop software iteratively and have a heavy emphasis on construction activities. That is, there's a heavy emphasis on doing the actual coding work and much less emphasis on planning, design and documentation. As iterative processes, agile processes deliver multiple software increments. So basically after each iteration, we should have something that is deliverable. And all Agile processes also try to adapt as changes occur in environment or requirements. What is also common with all Agile methodologies are that they subscribe to 12 Agility principles. So let's take a brief look at these principles next. The first principle says that our highest priority is to satisfy the customer through early and continuous delivery of valuable software. So the idea here is that as we do increments, each increment should be able to deliver valuable software to the customers, which means software that provides new useful functionality. The second point says that Agile processes welcome changing requirements even late in development. Agile processes harness change for the customer's competitive advantage. So we, in Agile processes, we accept the fact that things change and the processes are built in a way to deal with the changes so as not to cause chaos in the projects. The third principle says that agile development processes deliver working software frequently from a couple of weeks to a couple of months with a preference to the shorter timescale. So the typical iteration length in agile development processes uh, is less than one month. So there's a clear preference to one month, three week long increments as opposed to two, three, four month long increments. The fourth principle says that business people and developers must work together daily throughout the project. So, for example, in many classical organizations we have requirements, people working separately in the early stages of the project and leaving the project to implementation or we might have product managers who just give very high level uh, requirements to the project and then expect it to deliver. Uh, in this uh, agile development methodologies, product managers, project managers, customer representatives are required to work uh, with the developers much more closely and, uh, be, and to be very responsive to questions and ideas that the developers may have. So agile development puts a lot of pressure on product managers and, and customers to really take part in the project as opposed to being outside the project. 
The fifth principle is to build projects around motivated individuals and give them the environment and support they need and trust them to get the job done. So here is the idea that we need highly motivated individuals who form teams uh, that are able to themselves deliver uh, the software we need. The sixth principle says that the most efficient and effective method of conveying information to and within a development team is face-to-face -face conversation. So agile development methodologies uh, don't state that documentation is unnecessary, but whenever possible face-to-face -face communication should be used instead of passing documents between people. So the most in agile development face-to-face uh, -face communication is crucial and very frequent and whenever you uh, think of writing a document you should think of whether you might be able to do that better uh, using face-to-face -face interaction. The seventh principle says that working software is the primary measure of progress. So if somebody asks you how long, how far along are you in a, in a project, the only correct answer is that uh, is something like the lines of, well, we have implemented 45% of all features and they work. So uh, it doesn't matter what documents you have done, it doesn't matter uh, what kind of plans you ha have, it doesn't matter how many hours you have put in. Uh, the only primary measure of progress is how much of the software you're supposed to build already works. The eighth principle says that agile processes promote sustainable development. So the sponsors, developers and users should be able to maintain a constant pace indefinitely. Uh, this is essentially a way of saying that we shouldn't uh, have crisis that requires overtime in agile development. Agile development processes work from the assumption that we can drop features from an iteration if we uh, aren't able to make what we originally thought. Uh, and that is what we do instead of, of working weekends and nights. So the idea is to have a constant pace of working that also uh, uh, relies on us using normal working hours. So there are no crises, no heroes, no nights of debugging, no weekends of, of fixing everything just before the release. Those are forbidden in agile development. The ninth principle says that continuous attention to technical excellence and good design enhances agility. So we should do good uh, design and we should write uh, good code because that enhances agility. This is something that is supported very much by empirical evidence in software engineering. However, uh, we must note that uh, agile development methodologies per se don't contain any design activities. So for example, uh, while empirically it has been shown that for example, having a good architecture is critical to agility. Uh, the agile methods don't include architectural planning or even the role of an architect. So uh, there are some problems there. Uh, principle number 10 is a lean principle. It says that simplicity, which is the art of maximizing the amount of work not done, is essential. So everything that is unnecessary uh, that doesn't contribute to our project should be left undone according to agile development methodologies. Uh, number 11 says that the best architectures, requirements and designs emerge from self-organizing teams. Uh, so the idea here is that the teams should be able to specify the, the roles themselves within the teams 
and that way have the people who are best equipped to do various things get them done. And number 12 says that at regular intervals the team reflects on how to become more effective then tunes and adjusts its behavior accordingly. So agile teams are also allowed to uh, improve, change their process to make it more effective. A basic principle of agile development is time boxing. Time boxing is a very simple principle that has been with us for a long time. It essentially says that we fix the iteration end date and we don't allow that to change. What we instead allow to change is the contents, that is the amount of features that we develop during the, during the iteration. So in agile development, uh, normal length for a time boxed iteration is perhaps uh, between four to six weeks would be optimal. But you can see things like one and two week iterations as well. That is, however, very challenging to do successfully. Uh, typically, having iterations of a length three to six months is too long and it misses the point of value of doing iterations. So the idea is that the shorter steps have a lower complexity and risk, better feedback and higher productivity and success rates. So a typical time box length in agile development is between three and four weeks would be the most typical. If we run into problems, which we very often do, uh, instead of letting the date slip to make sure that we get everything in that we promised, or instead of doing overtime, we will cut features. We will not cut quality, we will cut features uh, to ensure that what we ship and finish in each iteration is of high, the high and required quality in our project. So we'll drop features, not quality, and we will not do heroic overtime efforts when we do time boxing. Instead, we drop the lower priority requests back on the wish list and schedule them for the next time box, the next iteration. So the idea is very simple. We prioritize the features. We make a release plan for each iteration containing uh, our initial idea for what features will be delivered in that uh, iteration. And we first plan the contents of the first time box in detail. As we go along, we plan the contents of subsequent uh, time boxes. Okay, now we have discussed agile principles a bit of the history and philosophy of Agile development. And now let's turn our attention to uh, two of the most well-known Agile development processes. We will first look at Scrum, which at least in Finland and even worldwide according to new statistics is the most widely used Agile development model. In this picture you can see the essence, essence of Scrum. Uh, we'll start decoding the picture from the lower left. Uh, the lower left, we and the lower left we have a product backlog. The product backlog is a list of all features we want to have in our product. A prioritized list, so we have the most important features at the top, the least important features at the bottom. Then, when we develop our product, we develop the product in iterations. In Scrum, an iteration is called a sprint. And when we plan a new iteration, we do a sprint backlog by taking the features that we think we can develop in that iteration from the product backlog, put them into the sprint backlog. 
Then, at the beginning of the iteration, the Scrum team does uh, iteration planning, sprint planning, during which the backlog items, the features we need to develop, are expanded uh, into tasks by the team. A typical Scrum iteration length is 30 days, which you can see here in the lower cycle. During those 30 days, the team work on the sprint backlog, trying to implement all features. So that at the end of the sprint, as you can see at the lower right, we have new functionality that we can demonstrate to other stakeholders. So at the end of each iteration, we do something called a sprint demo, during which we demonstrate the features we have developed to our customer and other stakeholders. Then during the actual sprint, the team holds so-called daily scrums. A daily scrum is a short meeting with the team during which every team member answers three questions. The first question is, what have you done since the last meeting? The second question is, what will you do before the next meeting? And the third question is, do you have any problems? So, and then we ask the same questions of all members. This way we get a quick status uh, overview of the whole project. Note that the daily scrum is supposed to be short, so no other discussion takes place. If there are issues that need to be discussed, things that need to be planned, that is scheduled for uh, after the daily scrum, uh, involving only the people who are really needed to help solve those issues. A typical Scrum team has a size of 7 to 10 people. It shouldn't be bigger than 10 people, then we need to separate that into uh, additional teams. Each team has one person designated as a Scrum Master, who works as a facilitator for the team. The backlog, the product backlog, is managed by a person who has the role of a product owner, the product owner is the one who knows uh, what the product should be, can prioritize and explain the features that are needed to be developed, and the product owner also accepts uh, the product at the end of each sprint. Here you can see a framework that is a bit larger, gives us a, a high-level view based upon Scrum, we can see that each iteration in Scrum is a sprint. Typically, when we do a release project, we develop a whole product. We can't do that in a single sprint. So we have a release project cycle. For example, it might be three or six iterations, whatever. Uh, and that way we get the product uh, uh, released, several releases of the actual product. So while we do demos at the end of each sprint, it's very typical that we don't deliver uh, that or ship uh, all, uh, ship the product after each sprint, but we ship the product after a number of sprints and do a so-called release. Finally, we have uh, a process called strategic release management, which is management of the whole product and all its, uh, all its versions, all its releases. Uh, this framework will be discussed more in detail uh, in part two of the course, so this uh, will suffice for this lecture. So, as you can see based upon that description, Scrum is a very simple framework that essentially contains uh, just a few mechanisms, the backlog, the planning meeting, the demonstration, and the daily Scrums.
There are also more details in Scrum that we will discuss during the second part of the course. But this suffices for now. So let's now next take a look at extreme programming, uh, which was a model that initially was more popular than Scrum, but uh, today Scrum uh, has taken over. However, in many, in many implementations of Scrum, extreme programming or XP practices are used. So extreme programming is a popular agile process originally proposed by Kent Beck. Uh, it is in the same way as uh, Scrum, it's an iterative model uh, and it also contains similar activities. So XP planning starts with user requirements which are called user stories. Uh, the team, XP team, assesses each story and assigns a cost, a number that says uh, how difficult or how it is to develop or how long it will take. This is not a number that is uh, directly convertible to hours or whatever. The, it's called story points and the idea with this number is essentially to make the different user requirements comparable so we can see if one requirement is double the size of another requirement. We then group the stories for a deliverable increment so a group of stories becomes what we plan to do in the next increment. We make a commitment on the delivery date. Uh, this is another way of saying that we do a time box development also in XP. And after the first increment we use something called project velocity. Now project velocity essentially is a number that says how many story points are we able to develop per time unit, for example per iteration or per week. Uh, and that way we can help define subsequent delivery dates for other increments. That is, we know how much we are able to do uh, with respect to story points. Design in XP follows the KISS or keep it simple stupid principle. Uh, it encourages the use of CRC cards, which we'll, we'll discuss later during the course. Uh, if we run into problems, things that we think are difficult to implement, we do small prototypes. These small prototypes are called spikes. Uh, XP is a very coding intensive methodology. We don't do much planning, but we start coding immediately. So that is why XP also stresses something called refactoring, uh, which is an iterative refinement of the internal program design. A more formal definition of refactoring would be changing the code without affecting its observable behavior. That means we can restructure, change whatever in the code as long as the observable behavior by uh, users, outsiders, doesn't change. So that is essentially cleaning up the code. In XP it's recommended to do something called test first. That means we uh, develop automated unit tests uh, that we actually develop before we develop the code that actually uh, use those tests. And XP also encourages a practice called pair programming in which two people sit at a single computer while doing oral design and coding and testing tasks. Pair programming will be also discussed more in detail during the second part of the course. We'll have a guest lecture on this very interesting practice. 
testing in XP relies heavily on automation. We don't have separate testers and we don't have separate testing stages. Instead, we rely upon the automated test that we develop as we code. So, an acceptance test should be developed by the customer and executed to assess whether the functionality uh, works the way the customer wants to. In the original version of the XP, actually, the customer was required to write the tests. We had something called an on-site customer, which was essentially the idea that the customer of the project would sit with the team, write code, the acceptance tests, and be there as an on-site customer. Uh, in practice, this turned out to be very difficult to implement. So here is a picture that shows an extreme programming project. We'll start from the middle, from the iteration. And you'll see that essentially this is just a normal iterative development uh, using some fancy terms. So we have an iteration and we, if we first work our way to the left, uh, we plan the iteration using release planning. Uh, and we get a re release plan. And uh, as, as I mentioned, when we develop, we calculate the project velocity, which essentially is a number saying how many storage points can we make per time unit. Uh, we have user stories that explain our requirements. If we have problems with the architecture or other things, we do spikes, that is prototypes. So we can use spikes to help us better estimate uh, how long a certain thing will take. We can do an architectural spike to find out uh, uh, what kind of architecture we'd like to develop. The system metaphor, which you can see here, uh, essentially the idea with that term was that we should uh, come up with a metaphor for the kind of system we are building. So if using cars, for example, are we building the Lada of customer relationship management or are we building the Mercedes or the BMW? So the idea is that using metaphors, everybody on the team has an intuitive feel for what kind of product we are trying to build. Going back to the iteration here, uh, we, at the end of the iteration, during the iteration, as I said, we code tests, we run acceptance tests, get customer approvable, and then we can do new iterations. XP also relies heavily on a set of values, things that are important that should underlie everything we do. The first value is communication. XP states that lack of communication within a software development team and between the team and its customers and other stakeholders is typically the main reason that we run into problems. For example, punishing people for bad news is a good way of making sure that we don't get bad news. So in XP, it's very important that we don't punish people for telling things as they are, for raising issues. And many of the practices in XP are built to keep, force people to communicate very actively. XP also values simplicity. We should always build the simplest thing that could possibly work. Never take a more difficult algorithm, for example, than we can do. Never make a more a difficult architecture, more complex architecture than needed. We have courage. 
uh, also as a value, which means that uh, we should have the courage to change whichever part of the system we think isn't good. So we don't have individual code ownership, instead we have uh, collective code ownership. So if you see something in the code that is bad, you are supposed to change it. If you see code that isn't needed, you should throw it away. And courage is also needed when we do pair programming, in which we sit two people at the same computer writing code. And for this all to work, we also need to treat everyone, the coders, developers, customers, everyone with respect. The final of XP values is feedback. And this is also an extremely important value uh, that you also can see in other Agile models. So as you can see in the picture on the right, feedback is given at very many different levels and time spans in XP. So first of all, by using pair programming in which two people code at the same computer, uh, they get feedback on the code within seconds by just talking and discussing what they are coding. Uh, the idea is, as you remember, that unit tests are written before the actual code that uh, run those units unit tests. So we have here a cycle that is within minutes, less than hours, before we get feedback based upon developing and running those unit tests. XP also requires pair, pairs to change, so you can pair program with the same guy for the whole day, but you need to change pairs within a few hours. So we have pair negotiation that helps giving feedback. XP uh, has something similar to the daily Scrum in Scrum called a daily stand-up meeting. So we have a daily stand-up meeting during which we get uh, daily feedback upon the, on the situation in the system. Uh, we do iteration planning every few weeks, so we have feedback at that level. And finally, we do release planning at the several month level. So we have all of these different scales for feedback. Okay, now then, when is it a good idea to use Agile development? Is that something that you can use for all and everything, all kinds of software development? Well, it's good to remember that the Agile uh, development methodologies were developed for small-scale software projects, for teams of up to 10 people. The fact, however, is that most software is developed by small teams. There are also now ways of scaling up, both Scrum and XP and other uh, methodologies. Uh, we will talk more about them uh, later. But here are, in this picture, you can see some dimensions that can help you decide for your project whether using Agile methodologies is a good or bad idea. It starts, uh, the basic idea here is that the closer to the center you get, the closer your project is to what people uh, call the Agile home ground which is the context for which Agile methodologies originally was developed. But let's take a look at the various dimensions. So first of all, we have personnel. You can see we have a percent level 1B and percent level 2 and 3. Now percent level 1B means uh, beginners, not experienced people, whereas percent level 2 and 3 are experienced people. So you can see if you look at the, in the middle, 
Uh, we shouldn't have unexperienced people at all in agile development and we should have a high percentage of very skilled people. Uh, the more unskilled people we have, new people, inexperienced, the poorer the fit for agile methodologies. Then we have dynamism, which is uh, directly related to the idea of being able to react to change. It says that if we have a 50% requirements, 30% requirements change per month, then we have a very high change volatile situation, then using agile methodologies probably might be a very good idea. However, uh, if we have a very low dynamism, the requirements aren't likely to change very much, then there is no added value per se in using agile development. We might as well use for example, waterfall uh, development in which we do planning once for requirements that would remain stable. We have culture, a very important attribute. By culture here mean, is meant organizational culture. So some organizations uh, have people and cultures that are very resistant to change, that likes to have very detailed plans and have processes with very formal meetings and formal plans that get formally approved. Uh, adopting agile development in su su such organizations, such organizational cultures, can be very difficult. Uh, we have size. By size here is meant the project size. So uh, the agile methodologies are typically perfect for projects from size 3 to 10 people. If we go uh, above 10 people, uh, we need to do some extra things to help scale up those agile methodologies. So, uh, agile methodologies are a good fit for small projects. Uh, the final dimension we have here is criticality. So, we have, if it doesn't matter if the system ha is a bit buggy or not, nobody gets killed, then agile methodologies might be a good idea. If we have a uh, risk of high loss of human life, then agile methodologies, which don't have uh, formal methods for design or testing, might not be a good fit. So here, are th these were some dimensions, personnel, dynamism, culture, size and criticality uh, that you might want to take into account when looking at whether ado to adopt agile methodologies for your project or not. It must be said though that uh, agile has been, agile methodologies have been applied to projects and situations in which essentially all of these have been broken and even successfully. However, these, uh, the Agile methods, as they are in textbooks, cannot be applied. You need to do some extra work to adopt the Agile methodologies to those situations. And I suggest that you keep this in mind and uh, uh, let's discuss this during the second part of the course. How to scale up uh, Agile, how to move Agile out away from the home ground, which is here in the middle of this chart. So, of course, now we have the question then, which one is better? Is waterfall plan-driven or uh, agile better? First of all, we must say that neither of them provide a silver bullet. They both have home grounds and for which they are clearly better. So, agile is clearly better for small projects that contain lots of uncertainties for which we, re we expect uh, a lot of changes. Agile development isn't undisciplined hacking. Agile development methodologies also uh, include a whole lot of discipline. 
So we need to be disciplined whether we use agile methodologies or plan-driven. So the most important thing for you to remember with respect to agile versus waterfall and other plan-driven models that are document, for example, document-heavy, is that it's not a situation in which each, any one of them would be always superior. It depends on the situation which model is a better fit for a particular project. And that's it for Agile development methodologies. Please read the corresponding chapter. Uh, there is also a lot of information on Agile methodologies on the web. So it's a good idea for you to go to the web and do some uh, searching. You will find lots of interesting text studies articles on Agile methodologies. If you have any questions, uh, please use Twitter, Facebook or join one of the interactive Q&A sessions which we have every Monday at 4 p.m. And that's it for now. Take care. <laughs>